there, guys. This is Kaylee McMahon. You are tuning into the number one leading ladies podcast. This is a podcast by women for women. And what we focus on in this podcast is mind expansion. If we don't expand our minds and if we don't dream big, then we can't set big goals and we will not make big achievements. That is the main focus of this, as well as being able to help women work with each other to be able to lift each other up instead of tearing each other down. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for tuning back in to Number One Leading Ladies. I have Beth Azor with me today. Uh, She is going to explain to you guys a little bit more about herself because I'm sure I can't do it justice. Again, this is a podcast where we work on building up women instead of tearing each other down. So uh, there's also a component of talking about being a leader as a woman in whatever industry that we're in. So Beth is going to talk to us a little today about what she does. Beth, go ahead. Sure. Thank you, Kaylee, for having me. So I've been uh, in the retail commercial real estate industry for over 34 years. I wish I could say I started when I was 10, but that's not the case. So I'm 59, but 59 young. Uh, This will be a big year, 2020. I turned 60. And um, I own six shopping centers. I started uh, in the late 80s. I was a retail leasing agent rookie. I grew through my company through the training program and 12 years later, I was the president of our company, which was uh, the state of Florida's largest third party service provider. So if life insurance companies or pension funds came to South Florida to buy shopping centers, we were their go-to firm to manage and lease them. And while I was there, I had an opportunity with my mentor, who was my boss, that eventually became my partner to start investing in shopping centers. He actually, Kaylee, took me, after asking me three times to invest and I never had any money, which he was furious about, he goes, how do you make over $100,000 and not have any money? I go, well, I went to Hawaii and I bought a Jaguar, you know, stupid things. He dragged my butt down to the local bank and co-signed a note for $50,000 so that I could borrow or so that I could invest in my first shopping center. And that gave me the taste and I never looked back. Right. We all wish we had those guys, right? Or those people, those mentors to help us out like that. Yeah, exactly. That's that's actually awesome uh, to tell you the truth because that's really kind of the whole premise behind what I'm doing for women specifically in commercial real estate, you know, uh, speaking at different events where whether they want to get started being active or passive as an investor, there's so many different ways to invest in real estate, commercial or residential, whatever. I end up liking commercial, but um, I realized I just came from a conference in LA. I decided I'm going to start a fund. Um, and the fund is going to be women only, and it's going to be based on physical commercial assets. So things like shopping centers, uh, multifamily is what I do the most of and I'm very confident with, but a um, uh, little bit of assisted living in the next year, not this year because I'm learning it all now. Um, but anyway, just being able to show people what it feels like to get mailbox money, you know, um, how awesome is that? Exactly, exactly. My six properties now, uh, the value is over 80 million. So, but I started, like I said, with a $50,000 investment. We owned that property for about 23 years. And over the ownership from the $50,000 investment, I made over three quarters of a million dollars. That is awesome. That is so awesome. And in such a little time too. That's the other, 
that's the other thing I say, you know, it's, um, it's not going to be instant. It's not easy, but it's, it's definitely a long-term wealth builder. So if you want to create generational wealth, if you want to, you know, leave a legacy, it's a good, good avenue. Um, now when you were going from, um, kind of essentially being working, working for someone else, then working for yourself, can you take us through that process and some of the challenges, whether it's mindset or money-wise or anything that you went through and how you overcame those challenges to do your own thing? Sure. So I, so when I joined uh, that firm, I was 26, and then I became the president when I was 37, and when I was 40, I had my first child. And at 43, I, now I'd been with that firm for about 17 years, my nanny was raising my son and I had become a single parent. So I would, you know, try to get out of the office. You know, we were in a high rise in Miami and I'd be, I gotta go home, I gotta go home and see my baby. And I would be, you know, grabbing, you know, packing up my briefcase, walking down the hallway, getting in the elevator, walking to the parking garage and literally people were just following me the whole time. You know, I have a question, I have a question. What do you think about this? And and I'd always get home late and I, the garage door would open and my nanny would be standing there shaking her head that Alex was sleeping. And I said, okay, at, I didn't have a child at 40 to have my nanny raise him. So uh, it was very difficult because now I had been the president of that company for six years. We, when I joined the company, we had 11 people. And when I left, we had 150. Wow. And um, it was a you know big deal. And, you know, we had a private jet and, you know, I, all the trappings. But I said, you know, I don't, you know, luckily I invested with him at the time. I think we, I was a, a limited partner in about six, six or seven deals and had had a great year. Um, financially as far as doing deals. So it was the perfect time to leave. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I knew I was going to start buying real estate on my own account without, you know, following in his coattails. And so I left in the first six months, I was the, you know, pre-K school room mom. I, I was the coach of the T-ball team. I, I went back to school and I was starting to do things philanthropically because for 18 yeah. years I was going, 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 running this company. So I did, you know, and I, but I was, my number one goal was to be a mom. And then um, my goal was to buy one deal every two years. And uh, right now I own six, I've sold three, and I gave back three pieces of land and a shopping center during the recession. So I've far exceeded my investment goals. And then the phone rang um, about a year after I left that company from a company up in Detroit that said, hey, you trained and coached uh, a lot of leasing agents for shopping centers when you were at your past firm. Will you come up to Detroit and teach our four kids that we just that just graduated from University of Michigan? So um, I said, I don't really want to go to Detroit in January, but send them down to Boca <laughs> where they have an office and I can do it. And so that started this little side gig that I have now that about 20% of my time I spend traveling the country teaching leasing agents how to fill shopping center vacancies. So it's a nice little side hustle. It's great cash flow to help feed my investment business. And you know, I just wrote two books in the last year and a half about its four leasing agents of how they can quick, you know, lease space more creatively and quicker. And um, it's a little niche, you know, riches are in the niches. So mm -hmm. I love to teach and it's great cash flow and it helps feed my uh, pocketbook for investment. 
Wow, you are so accomplished. I am so impressed. When I adopted, when, when Alex was, when Alex was eight, I adopted a little boy, Mario, who's five. So I'm now I'm a single mom of a 19 and a 16 year old. Wow. And uh, they're still my life. I try to really, you know, I, I take Mario to school in the morning. Alex is now out of school, and I work until I go pick him up at 4:30. So and then, you know, then I'm off the clock. I might do things. You know, if we're watching Netflix together, I might send some emails, but I really try to focus on them because that's what it's all about. Yeah, <laughs> that's great that you've been able to do that. You know, and I, I'm, I'm so happy to have you on my podcast because you're like an example. You will not like you are an example, literally, of what I think a lot of people. So the reason why I want to create passive cash flow for women is because I want them to know that they can do things on their own. So whatever it is that your passion is, or maybe even you don't know your 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 purpose or your why in life yet, but you can have some time to slow down and figure that out, you know, because I think everyone deserves to, to have a purpose and to be able to pursue that and be happy. Uh, whatever that is, you know, no, no judgment doesn't matter whether it's, you know, right. laying and sleeping all day or what, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, well, that's, that's awesome that you're able to do that and overcome those things. Now, one of the other questions I ask all the guests on the show, first one is going to be, what would you say has been, like, period, your biggest lesson? Following my instincts. Because when I left, the shadows of the guy who dragged me to the bank and got me the loan, you know, he was a brilliant guy, I didn't trust my instincts. And I would find deals to buy, and I would maybe call him, or I'd call some other men, because very few women are in the retail investment world. Very, I'm like one of maybe five in the country that I know of. Yeah. So the, the audience or the, the pool to call and get advice from is very thin. So I would call these guys and they would you know, shoot me down and then I didn't have enough self-confidence, so I would drop the deal. And 100% of the time, literally 100% of every deal that I didn't follow through on, some other guy hmm. picked it up six months, nine months, a year later and ran and ran with it and developed it or did what I wanted it to do with it a little later. I was always early and I just, in the beginning, you know, was insecure and kept listening to the guys. And that happened about the lesson. What the lesson taught me was um, it solidified that I knew what I was doing. Yeah. Because had no one taken those deals and ran with them and made them successful, then those other guys were right. But when other people took them and ran with them and did what I wanted to do, I, it solidified that I knew what I was doing and I needed to stop asking for advice and just believe in my own instinct. And once I started doing that, you know, my portfolio doubled and tripled in size. Awesome. That's and, and that's the one thing that I hear over and over again as far as the difference between the, the two genders is that we have so much intuition. And when I was growing up, I was taught because of being abused not to listen to my intuition. So I've had to completely relearn that as an adult. And I'm not that, that old, so I'm glad that I at least dug in and started You know, before I was 30. But um, but it's so true, and even even in business, it doesn't matter. Like the, if it's just people, we can feel people. That's our um, our rock star power. But you know, yeah, to listen to your intuition there too. Okay, so 
you know, ladies out there listening, listen. I mean, literally listen to your gut. Listen to what you think is going to happen. Um, and then how did you ever end up having um, a resource as far as someone to reach out to who was a woman that maybe you felt like, okay, you know, the pool is small, like you said, for who to reach out to? Um, no? Never. Um I am that person now for other people, and and I and and I've been reaching out to people like you, uh, because I am also on a mission to get women to invest. I started a LinkedIn group about three months ago, and I said, you know, any women that want to invest, that are investing, you know, that want to and haven't, you know, let's get on this LinkedIn group and. And I, about 200 women signed up immediately within like hours. And I said, so, you know, are you investing? If you're, if you are great, what do you invest in? And if you're not, why aren't you? And 99% of them were not investing. And I heard the same reasons over and over again. I'm too afraid. It's too complicated. And I don't know the numbers yeah. and it's too risky. And I'm like, well, do you think, you know, do you, you don't think the stock market, where's, where's your money? Well, the stock market, you don't think that's complicated and risky? And so the next time E. coli hits Chipotle, your Chipotle <laughs> stock's going to drop by 50%. So, um, so you know, and, and what, uh, where I wanted to jump on this bandwagon with women also was when my friend went to the Bigger Pockets conference in Nashville. So I'm not multifamily, but she, her husband is, and she, and she dabbles in it. And she came back and she goes, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? And she goes, you know, I went to the bigger pockets conference and you know, there were 2000 people there. I said, how many women? And she said about, uh, about, I think she said 200, but she said half of them were wives of their husbands yes. who were there. Yes. And that's it. I'm doing something about this. And that's when I said, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, get on these podcasts and, and, and create opportunities, whether it's conferences or symposiums for women who can learn from people like you, Kaylee, you know, so I started collecting like, well, who do I know that is investing on their own? And, and I've collected like four or five women and we're going to have a symposium sometime in 2020, which I would love for you to come and speak at. Oh my God. Yes. And, um, and because what I want to do is put them on the dais and interview them like a fireside chat and say, what are you investing in? How'd you find your money? Was it scary? Of course it was scary. But what I want to do at the end of the day is, okay, here are eight women that have done it. And basically I'm going to have banners around the room that say, if we can do it, so can you. Yeah. That is literally the purpose in this. It's like, you can do it. And that's, you know, and, and for, for me on this podcast, it's not real estate specific. I've taken ladies that are in the food and beverage industry, ladies that are um, doing whatever. I mean, the top engineer at Lockheed, whatever it is, because the purpose is, is that, you know, you, you can do it too. And, and for me, uh, real estate was my way out of abuse. You know, I was able to create enough income and have enough like personal space to get my mind right and to start over. And, um, you know, I've been able to like part of my company culture is to help people identify codependencies and be able to create independence to where you can kind of see it from the outside looking in and then, you know, pull yourself out and learn. And uh, yeah, I'm down totally <laughs> Yay. down to go. Now, um, what would you say has been your biggest, um, your biggest win? Uh, my, my 19 year old is the top salesperson in the Southeast for the Lego store he works at. <laughs> wow. So, um, I feel a big win with that because he's le basically learned sales by sitting in the car, listening to whether it was, you know, podcasts or me talking on the phone. 
but the other, probably professionally, the biggest win is I bought last uh, three years ago an office building on a hard corner in South Florida, 1970s. And people are like, why are you, why is she buying an office building? Well, you know, the goal was I convinced Starbucks to to let me develop a little three tenant strip center in the parking lot behind the office building, and I convinced the city to let me do it too. And I told them that I would uh, decrease the occupancy of the office building so that by the time Starbucks opened, the there'd be no tenants because I could knock down the building for parking, which is what you know wow. the new project needed. And um, everybody and their brother and mother and sister and niece and nephew said, Starbucks is never going off corner behind an office building and the city's never gonna let you do it. And uh, Kaylee, Starbucks opened two weeks ago. Yeah, yes, you can do it. <laughs> we did it. You know, one thing that I've always applied, that's awesome. I mean, that's a huge win. One thing I've always applied is that, you know, everything's scary, you know what I mean? But I'm like, you know what, F it. Somebody has done it before, somebody has. So whether it's, you know, you're putting money into a deal for your first time or whether it's, you know, you're doing something that, you know, you're not sure if, you know, it's going to work perfectly. Somebody has done some part of that before and taken risks. And, you know, if you don't, you'll never succeed. You'll never get there, you know. So exactly calculated and obviously, you know, being so for me, having someone like you to say, OK, I want to do this. What do you think about this and wh what is my percentage of risk? So a lot of like for multifamily, for example, people are like, oh, it's so risky. You know, I'm like, no, it's not. It's not gambling. You're, it's a calculated risk. So literally I'm going, okay, so 50% of it here is my property management company, the quality of them. 80% of it is the communication level between me and them and making sure that they're um, they're actually making sure our pro forma is happening exactly the way that it should. 10% uh, you know, the market, 10% random stuff. So really at the end of the day, it's like 80% of it is totally controllable. You know, so I'm like, why not? And then guess what? You still have a physical asset that, you know, even if it burns down, you get insurance money and then you have the land and then you could, you know, whatever. So right. it's, it's calculated. It's not gambling, you know? Right. Well, and that's, you know, people say, what's the most important thing? I said, it's knowledge is you doing your due diligence and making sure, okay, if these are the things that I think are risky, doing some homework to see if they really are. And then maybe you should drop the deal or no, these are people talking talking, talking. I mean, if I want to listen, again, this is why I don't listen to people anymore. I, I didn't even ask for their advice. They just thought it was interesting for them to give it to. And I said, I don't want to hear it, you know, but it was like some, my land use council. I don't think you're going to make this happen. I go, I'm going to make it happen. So you're going to ride, ride, the, ride with me or not. Like I'll get someone else that's opti more optimistic than you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I've got two questions because you're so on point and quick. Usually people have these long drawn out answers and we have squirrels and we you know go on tangents and stuff um but you mentioned a few things while you were talking about those we've, we, you've answered all of our questions for our listeners um there are two two terms in there that i want to clarify the way that you've done it so that our listeners can understand now when you say buy a deal there's fractional ownership there's IRO for us in multifamily, independent rental owner. Um, there's different ways that you can structure the way you buy a deal. When you say I bought a deal, what do you mean? What it is is, let's say, the, for example, the office building was $5.8 million. So we got a loan for $4 million. 
there is income in the office building. So we got the loan for the acquisition and again, the income that existed at the time. So I needed to raise for equity 1.8. So I put in 300,000 and then my goal was to go raise with family and friends the 1.5 remaining. Yeah. I, had, I have a partner that I do a lot of business with. He put in a million. So I went and raised 500. I think I have, um, I think 10 people at 50, like just very, some people put in a hundred, some people put in 50, but I'm all about getting younger people and, and non-investors investing. So in this case, I have four people that put in $5,000. Wow. So um, now they had to sign the paperwork that said that, you know, they know that this is risky, you know, all of that SEC stuff. But um, they're leasing people in my industry. One is my contracts attorney, but a young guy. And my, my goal is I want to give someone a lift up like my partner did. Yeah. You know, but a lot of people can't go, I'm not going to go co-sign a $50,000 loan, but if you want to put in 5,000 in my deal and my attorneys say the way the paperwork is written, you know, protects us, I want to help anyone that I can to do that. So I think we have about 14 partners in that deal. Limited. And, and how it gets paid out is if we were to refi, you know, have a capital event, meaning a refi or a sale, I get 20% off the top for being the sponsor. And then I, I guarantee them a 6% interest or pref, right, a preferred return all of the time that I have their money invested. Yeah. So all of the time that I have that 5,000 or 100,000 or a million invested, they will get a 6% distribution. Or if we don't have the money because it's a development deal, that, that 6% will accrue. And then when once we have an event, a financial transaction event, a refi or a sale, I get 20 off the top for free for putting it all together. And then everyone pro rata share after they get paid their 6% gets um, splits the remaining 80% as per their pers- their respective investment. Right. Their, their fractional ownership percentage. Right. So limited partners, I'm the general and I make all of the decisions. Uh, But when the guy puts in a million, if he wants to have say in it, you know, I'm respectful to that. Yeah. Because he's the bigger partner. Yeah. So, so it sounds like on your deals for general partnership, it's you and one other person on that example, right? Yes. Okay, cool. So for me, we did the same thing. It sounds like it's a regulation D 506 B offering. Right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The attorneys uh, know that. The, fr- the friends and family one, because um, we, we do the same thing. Actually, I have a deal right now where it's a regulation D506C, so we c- it's accredited only, and we can advertise it. We ha- we're just very careful about that stuff because there's a lot of a lot of interest in multifamily these days and a lot of, you know, what, you know, because of Grant Cardone and things like that. And so we just are really careful Um, Now, I've got a a question about, you know, the investors because I really want to help more people. For example, people in my age range, I do have some friends from high school where I have helped uh, buy and sell houses with them when I was doing retail as a residential agent. And now I have a residential brokerage, so we have agents kind of helping them. But they ended up telling me, hey, Kaylee, I do have, you know, a 25K, 401 or whatever, or I mean, a a Roth IRA or something like that. And we take that all day long. 
but uh, they're like, I'm not sure. And then once my deals have started growing to these like $23 million deals and stuff like that, we're starting to take a larger minimum, but I do want to still help them. But my, uh, when we're not doing the C or the public accredited offering, they're essentially sophisticated or would be, uh, and we're only allowed to take 35 of those. Um, I guess, how, how do you overcome, you know, when you have, um, what was it? Um, 500K, a, a million from a partner, uh, uh-huh. 300K, or I guess it was 500, um, and then there was 300. I forgot how that's broken up. Uh, but at raising the 300, I think, I think you put, said you put in five. But raising 300, and then you split that by like 5,000 bucks, that's a lot of sophisticated, or I mean, a, a, sophisticated people. How do you do that? I, I only had four at the 5,000 level. Okay. Everything, everyone else was 25, 50, or 100. Okay. Okay. And when what I do, just so you know, so all those people that said they that ended up giving me five mm-hmm. came in with wanting to do 10, 15, or 20, and I wouldn't let them. Yeah. So what I said is, if you, they, they say, I, I heard you have this deal and you're letting leasing agents invest, yada, yada. So um, I have 20000 I go, well, if I lost that 20000 yeah, how would that impact your life? And they go, oh, we wouldn't, I wouldn't like that. I said, okay, if you lost 5000 how would it impact your life? Well, I wouldn't be happy, but no big deal. That's what you're going to give me. Yeah. So I reduce them to a point that... Because I tell them it's a 50-50. I mean, you know, I've, I've had some deals that have been wildly successful. My first deal returned 199% profit to my partners, which was, and they're all still with me. All those partners, you can imagine that yeah. was, and, and we gave one back. And one, I didn't do a distribution for eight years during the recession, and now they all got all their distribution back. So, you know, it's, it, it, Real estate is risky, but so is the stock market, and certainly so is keeping money, you know, in your in a savings account or under your mattress. So, hmm. but so I kind of go with my instincts on this, and if I also think if they ask too many questions or, you know, I say to them, give me half of what you want to give me, and you're not allowed to ask me any questions. I'm going to send you a quarterly report with financials. And, you know, because I don't want 25 partners bugging me. And then the minute that I get a problem on, they're not, they don't get asked the next time. I know. <laughs> I had one, or actually two. I had one that actually, yeah, I won't even go into the story. But, yeah, I was like, you know, sorry. Nope, not next time, no. And then the other one, um, yeah, same thing. It was a, I did all the subscription documents and all the things. And we put you in Exhibit A and all that stuff. And then didn't wire. I was like, okay, don't even call me ever again, you know. Um, but yeah, <laughs> jeez. Yeah. Um, well, you learn, right? I, and someone says, well, what was the biggest? You know, someone else asked me, what was the biggest learning lesson? Picking partners. Yeah. Yeah. Partners. Yeah. You know, again, using your instinct. And this one guy that I let come in my last deal, I, I had a, an inst- I had a bad feeling because of the questions he was asking. Most people. You know, now that I have kind of a track record, like I'll send it out to, you know, I've got a new deal. This is the minimum. This is the deal, blah, blah, blah. And people are like, where can I wire the money? Like, you know, and then, but then this one guy is a new investor and he's, you know, wanted to come and meet me, wanted to see the property. Like I should have known, but I didn't. And he's $50,000. I could have just put that money in myself, but I learned a lot. You know, you learn every deal you learn. I learned probably 10 things or more in every deal. And that's, I like learning. And I think you're right with, again, the biggest lesson, just trust your gut. I've had 
a couple different partnerships that I've had and I did two on my own and then I did two with another group of four of us and then two with another group of three of us and um, yeah just solidified this week and seeing the ones that I've done the most recent ones with um, in person and we hung out in LA and whatnot and I just I really feel good about about that one guy is Japanese Japanese guy people you know they love the the organism over the cell they're not selfish people he just is really calm and, and whatnot and then anyway so I'm just gonna go in that direction because it, it feels good um, so now that was the answer to that question the only other question I have is in the in the very beginning when you're getting started it's um, it's always like, how do you get that chunk of money or how do you start? You remember you said that your original um, thought leader, if you will, uh, said, I'm gonna take you down to the bank and we're gonna go take out a loan. Was that a personal line of credit? Was it a business line of credit? How did that work? Um, and then how did it get paid back? How did all that work? So um, I this was in 1992. I have no idea what kind of loan it was, but because he co-signed it for me and my husband, I was married at the time, I'm sure, I have no idea what kind of loan it was. We, we refied the property six months later and paid it back. Mm -hmm. And that was what the plan was. Um, what happened was, is I was making great money as a leasing agent. So I, you know, my job was to fill vacancies in shopping centers and like literally three years in a row making a hundred grand. And he came to me two other times and said, hey, we're gonna buy this shopping center, do you want in? And I'm like, mm, I don't have the money. And he's like well that's stupid like you're making a lot of money I was 28 29 years old that's a lot of money back then yeah. um, it's like 200 today and then he came to me again and, and, and said hey we're gonna buy this shopping center you know do you want to put 25 in I said I don't have 25 because you and your husband are both making a hundred grand or more and you don't have 25,000 to invest and I'm like I was very embarrassed and um, and then in both situations they increased the rent roll, you know, brought in tenants paying more rent, increased the NOI, that net operating income, and then refied in both other situations. So the third time I was going to be the um, leasing agent and he said, how much rent can you get? Sorry about that. And, um, and I told him and he said, okay, great. You're going to be the leasing agent. And, um, and I knew I could increase the rents by 10 bucks a square foot. And um, I, uh, and he said, well, great, now you can invest money. And I said, I don't have any money. And he, and he, and that, he just got so angry with me that um, that's when he took me to the bank and said, <laughs> I'm going to do this and get you started. And that's what happened. So sorry about the phone ringing. Someone in my office is supposed to get that. But um, so that's how I did it. And, he, and I don't know what the loan was, but we refied and paid the bank, the bank back six months later. And, and from that point on, every commission I made 10% went off the top into an investment account and I started consistently saving so that the next time, two years later, he asked my husband and I put in a hundred grand. Yep, yep. And we were ready and prepared and we knew and then the rest is history. I started to shovel away cash because I know that, um, and I feel like the more I make, the more frugal I've gotten, um, but I've been on my own since I was 15, so I kind of have just bought what I need, you know. Um, I do like some nice things here and there, but I let other people buy them for me. Um, but, you know, when I have extra cash from these, you know, ca capital events, if you will, 
Um, I've started to stuff it in a life insurance policy and there's a certain type of life insurance that you can loan back out to yourself and make a dual rate of return. So I was like, I want something that I can stick it in there and I'm not gonna be able to touch it unless it's an investment. And then, you know, anyway, so that's something else that I interviewed about 10 people that have been doing that since the 80s before I started doing it. And that's something I want to have more people do as well, but I want to be the proven model and to show people it works before. I'm not gonna just go preach something and say, hey, call my friend until I'm doing it. That's kind of my uh, approach on everything. Whenever I was flipping houses, whenever I'm flipping apartments, I passively invest too. I just, I want to be someone that says from experience, this is what I've gone through, not just sell, you know? So right. um, that's, that's awesome that he did that for you. And I hope that I'm able to do that for somebody else um, in a creative way, maybe like anyway. So that's, that's awesome um, that we did that. So I actually was on the phone. It's, it's MLK day right now. So the banks are closed, but I was actually going to go running for my hotel down to Frost Bank uh, here in El Paso and go uh, fill out all the paperwork to do a business line of credit. Uh, one of my anesthesiologist buddies, how he invests in these apartment deals is he's like, so basically long story short, I take out something that I have a 5% interest on and I'm taking out a loan. Um, and this loan say it's hundred K or whatnot. Um, and you have a deal that's going to give me 15% uh, cash on cash. So that's paying the uh, interest, the annualized interest. So if you look at that, so if I'm paying 5% and you give me, um, say, 15%, then I'm making 10% cash on cash in my pocket using somebody else's money. Like, hello, no brainer. Wow. And then he's like, and then you wait until y'all refi and sell. And on the sale, you know, you're looking at like, to, you know, doubling your money. So he's like, it's, it's kind of a win, win, win. And uh, so I was going to go actually do that today, but they're closed. So I'll have to go do that tomorrow. But um, anyway, so that's, that's awesome. You said that and anyone out there, there's so many creative strategies. Um, now I don't have any more questions. Thank you so much, Beth, for your time today. I really appreciate it. This is just like packed with so much content uh, for everybody out there. I am a thousand percent on board with being a part of your symposium. Right. Um, right. When are you shooting for that? Probably June. Okay. We, um, so I, Announced so in October. I went after I heard about the bigger pockets thing. I said I'm doing this, and I said January 9th we're going to do this. And so in October we launched it, and I had um, a lower ticket item, a middle ticket item, and a VIP ticket where the VIP would get into a bus and drive my six properties, the shopping centers. We would park at the shopping center, and I would hand out a one sheet on how I raised the money, how much money I raised, you know, what the waterfall, all that stuff. We had 42 women who signed up, which is pretty good, right? About 20 VIPs and then 25, you know, other, the two other ticket levels. The problem was, is I was about to sign a contract for 300 for the venue. And I, and it was about January, I mean, it was about December 2nd and my assistant's looking at me like, do you really think we're gonna sell another 250 tickets? In a month. And I, and I said, no. And, and she goes, and it's about to be Christmas. Yeah. And, you know, I really don't want to work all through. So I said, okay, good. Idea. So this is how you live and learn though. And I, and I thought, well, I thought there'd be 500 women and we'd easily sell out 300. And I was happy that we had the 45 women. So what I realized, and I had eight speakers lined up, I had a woman that was going to speak on overcoming limiting beliefs for our luncheon speaker, because I'm now learning that it's all in yes. women's heads. 
So um, I said, okay, what I'll do is we'll re- we so we did I didn't I was able to get out of the contract, which was about eighteen thousand dollar venue cost. I was able to get out of that, thank goodness. And I said, I'm going to regroup and do it probably in June, and we'll do a maybe we'll just do a just fifty women. We start small with great speakers, and the goal will be to help the fifty women. So, I mean, I know we could fill 50 because I already have 42 or 45. So um, that's going to be my plan and where we'll have more time, you know, because I'm, when I think of an idea, I like to act on it quickly. And they're like, okay, <laughs> all good. Then we tested it and now we know there's a market, but maybe not for 300 women, maybe just for us, maybe it's 50 this year. 75 next year 100 next year or once we get once you have the event and you have pictures and videos of the event the next year will be easier yeah yeah and i like i'm so able to help with that too i just got accepted into so i went to texas a&m university i got accepted into aggie women um first of this year i got accepted into crew dallas which is cre so commercial real estate women there is a group of 300 women in dallas and about 100 in fort worth and so i go to both those groups and um that would be someone or a group i could obviously show them that uh i speak at invest her in austin and then i just got put on um as a co-sponsor if you will of invest her dallas um and so that was my thing last year is i felt like i didn't have enough uh, assets or enough experience or enough whatever to be able to really get out there and make an impact in people's lives and then i called my own bs out because i realized you know the experience and in, in, you know coming from where i came from to where i'm now and where i'm going i mean someone has lived under a bridge somebody has had a job somebody has started their own fund somewhere in that someone is there somewhere right, and right. your own experience is you know more valuable than you think and so i just needed to quit making excuses and get the freak out there so um so i'm doing everything i can to be as involved in po- as possible with everything that is focused on women like i said i already had, uh, contacted my attorney yesterday about what the cost is and how we're going to structure this fund um to have a fund for women only investments in real estate so um 2020 is going to be a huge year I'm so, uh, I don't, I'm 60, so I, or almost, so I can say this, I'm so proud of you, and I don't want me to have, to have that sound condescending in any way, but, um, you know, you will be uh, the, the light to a lot of women, and I'm just, you know, I'm in your camp cheering you on, and I'll be an investor and put money in the fund, so keep me posted and thank you for having me today. It's been great. And I'm really happy that we got to know each other a little bit today. Me too, Beth. Now, how can our listeners get a hold of you if they have any questions about how to kind of do what you've done or uh, be involved in that 20% of your time program that you do? Sure. So it's BethAzor.com. And also I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, that's probably the best place to reach out to me, but then just my website. And then my email is uh, Beth at Azor advisory services.com. But any of those places I'm, I'm pretty accessible. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Beth today. Um, that's all we have to, uh, today for you guys. And obviously you know that you can, uh, replay this anytime. There was just, it was packed with so much content. Um, so I'll have to replay it too. Uh, you guys, you know, Beth just told you how you can get a hold of her. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in, guys and gals, for tuning in today. And uh, we'll see you next time on Number One Leading Ladies. Thank you so much for tuning in today and listening to Number One Leading Ladies, a podcast for women by women. If you would like to get in contact with us, 
at The Apartment Queen. You can email us at admin at The Apartment Queen. You can also set up a phone call and call us at 469-990-4627. If you would like any further information about future projects coming up, whether it is with our residential brokerage or with The Apartment Queen itself, investing in apartments, all you have to do is schedule a time to talk with us.